Are you an animal lover? Have a soft spot for the furry friends in the forest or the feathered friends above? Today, animals, family, and photos with award-winning wildlife photographer and artist Holly Youngblood Kennan. Welcome to Church Birds and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. Do you know the three basic distinctions which make up the foundation for any worldview which is considered Christian? How's that for a question? They're all found in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1. Number one, there's a distinction between God and creation. There's a fundamental difference between the two. And if you get that confused, anything else turns into a mess in the beginning God. Not in the beginning God and. It wasn't God and me or God and you. He didn't check with us even though we might believe otherwise. Number two, there is a distinction between human beings and other creatures. Being in the image of God is something uniquely reserved for mankind. God gives man the special responsibility to rule over the creatures of the world. It's part of our job description as humans. Interesting, isn't it? And then man is distinct from woman. God made man, male and female. He created them. It doesn't matter how confusing the use of language or pronouns are. A man isn't a woman and vice versa, no matter how confused we want to make all that. Three fundamental distinctions which are worthy to consult when things get confusing in life. Today, we're going to talk about one of those that's neglected an awful lot. It gets overlooked. What about those other creatures which God has put on this earth to do their thing? If God put them there, I bet they can teach us something about him, even if they aren't in his image like us humans are. How are we to rule over them if we don't know them and study them and enjoy God's creations? Ever consider the first job God gave to man? It's common to say that prostitution is the oldest profession, but that's not true. Adam and Eve were zoologists. So let's talk to someone who's seen animals in, of all kinds and at the peak of their glory. Welcome to Church Hurts and Holly Youngblood Cannon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, Holly, it's great to have you here. And I just, I'd like to kind of start out by asking you, uh, Give, a, give us your job description, because to me, it sounds like something a 10-year-old girl would want to do. What is it? <laughs> As a matter of fact, she did. Uh, I am a wildlife photographer and artist that I travel around the world and take amazing pictures of animals and landscapes and just God's beauty. And then when I have time, I uh, paint a few of them here and there. 
Wow. I mean, and I tell you, um, our viewers, because this is on the radio and a podcast, uh, we can't show, but uh, they've taken my breath away. But before we get into how you ended up being so successful at all this, tell me just a couple of stories of when you were on the other side of the lens, seeing things that we don't we don't get to see as up close and personal as you do. Tell me when they took took your breath away. Um, a couple years ago, I got to go to, I was invited to go to a, it was actually supposed to be an art workshop up in Montana to um, learn to be a better artist by uh, the, uh, my art mentor, I probably would be a good description, but I love her art. Her name is Leslie Harrison. And she, uh, I signed up for a workshop and we ended up doing 10 photography sessions because the weather ended up being crystal clear every day. And so the very first session I think that we did, so you're vibrating, first of all, uh, and there, the, it's deep, deep snow in the middle of February, and it's cold. And for a Florida girl, I was freezing. But uh, one of the very first sessions that we did was with a Siberian tiger. And so I photographed a Siberian tiger. We were behind a fence, but, you know, that doesn't really matter. And uh probably within 10 feet and she was amazing and you just see this 500 pound animal that could eat you and she's acting like a house cat and it was one of the most incredible goosebumpy feelings I've ever had in my entire life and you kind of knew at that point you this is what you're going to do the rest of your oh life, my right? gosh I'm like I gotta learn how to use my camera better <laughs> you know, I, I got I to read the manual. <laughs> Golly. And what else? What you end up, I mean, you do birds, you do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that uh, I've always done photography, even when back, I remember being a little girl taking pictures, you know, with my Kodachrome Kodak, you know, camera. And, uh, and then I, you know, we got digital cameras and then probably 10 years ago, uh, my husband gave me a DSLR camera for my birthday, which changed everything. And I started taking pictures of my kids and my boys uh, in sports and kind of became the unofficial sports photographer. And then when everybody left home, we started traveling and I really enjoyed taking pictures of everything and anything. And animals were definitely my sweet spot and have just really, especially in the pandemic, everybody hated the pandemic. Oh my gosh, I was in heaven. Because all I did was go around and take pictures of anything that moved. You got all the people out of the way so you could I get did. the good stuff. Like, exactly. And my daughter and I, my daughter came home and she's a really good photographer too. And so we have gone on some just mind blowing trips of, you know, to photograph wildlife. Okay. Brag for a minute. I mean, because I can't keep track and I don't know your field well enough. The, I mean, the first the first, here, I'll tell you something about me that you don't know is the first, when I entered my first golf tournament, somebody said, you want to go into this amateur tournament? And I went in and, and I won it. I mean, it's yeah. the highest yeah. achievement I've ever done in golf. <laughs> now I'm an awful golfer. I have the chip yips. I, can, I can't get anywhere close to the hole and I'm old, but you not that long ago, when you first entered a competition, you won the whole thing, didn't you? Yeah, twice within a month. I uh, I entered, um, 
I am an artist, but I and I have a degree in art or a minor in art from uh, Florida uh, International, but really just didn't do much with it and kind of, you know, raised kids for 30 years. And so really didn't do much of it. And then I ended up having to have hip replacement surgery and started drawing and painting kind of then. And I, after this workshop uh, that I went to, I, she introduced me to a medium that I'd never even heard of called pastels. And I got really good at it and God has given me a gift. And so I entered the, the, some art shows, you know, just along with thousands of other people, it seems like, and I ended up winning and I'll never forget the lady calling me. I couldn't go because I was on the couch recuperating and she goes, Holly, you won best in show. And I'm like, I got to hang up and like sob. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Could not believe it. Now, let's not insult FIU. You've heard of pastels, (laughs) right? Come on. It's not like you hadn't heard of them before. You know, I probably, yeah. I mean, I'm sure (laughs) I I have a degree in art, so you would think that I would, but it was not something that, yeah, I mean, they're obviously masters that used them, but never even on my wheelhouse. I loved painting, watercolor. You know, that was my thing. So oils, you know, we're, we're on church hurts and, and people are wondering what does this have to do with church? And I, I promise you, I'm, I'm going to get there, but, <laughs> uh, let, tell me a little bit. You, when we talked on the phone, you said to me, oh, you know, you, uh, did nothing for 30 years. And what you meant was art because really for 30 years, your family is referred to kind of as the boys. You have five boys Four and boys. one. And four a boys, four boys. And I'm sorry, but you got the five and then the boys, though, you refer yeah. to then there was the boys. Right. Tell me, tell me about the, uh, the boys. Uh, cause it, it just doesn't, the family photo really looks like, no. what is this a multi-ethnic competition or what? Yeah. We're kind of the blind side, you know, or 2.0. We, um, 11 years ago, just about this time we ended up adopting two uh, 15 and a 17 year old boy, two boys, uh, brothers from the school that our kids went to at the time, didn't know them, you know, even Todd's like, which one, you know, we were watching him on the field playing. He goes, which one's going to be our son, you know, and you're like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, you know, don't say that out loud. And, um, <laughs> it was one of those things that we were just talking about today, how it was so orchestrated by God from the day that Todd put a ring on my finger till that day that they moved in, you know, at the end of April, it took, it took 20 years, but it was every single detail, minute detail was, you know, orchestrated by God. And it's a great story. 15 and 17 people don't get adopted at 15 and 17. No, we, we had a, at the time had a 16 and an 18 year old. So we had a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old. And when I, when Todd and I talked about, we tried to adopt, for 20 years and God kept closing the door. And when I said I wanted to adopt an older child, I'm thinking blonde hair, blue eyed, five-year-old, not right. 15, 17 year old black boys, because at the time I didn't even want my own teenage kids. So God said, these are your boys. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, does, no, 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 no. Yeah. No one does. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I didn't say anything to Todd for about a week. And I finally went to him and I said, I think we're supposed to, adopt Nate and Trenard. And he goes, okay. I'm like, what, you know, who says that? And, and the, the best part about it was, you know, for, for us, 
them moving in was obviously odd, but not a huge transition in, in that sense. But for them, for them to move into this total stranger's home, and they started calling us mom and dad almost immediately and felt like they had been in our family their whole life. And you go, that's God. Man, do you know I get that because of my story getting my son had just turned 16 when he came in our house. And I wondered, how is this going to happen? And how easy we had the same thing. It was mom and dad from the beginning, but he didn't really believe it. He thought it was going to go away. And not only did it not go away for me, it didn't go away for you. And we're talking college football. You you had a real big deal life. Big deal life. Yeah. I mean, it was... You know, Nate went and played yeah, college football, became six in the nation in interceptions, you know, and uh, up in uh, Pennsylvania. And it was just one of those things that you didn't know what your life was going to look like. But this I, I can't imagine uh, a different life. I a couple of years ago uh, when Tom Hanks movie came out and he's one of the lines, the scenes in it where he sits and he says, think, let's take a minute and think about the people that made you who you are. And I was a very different person. You can ask the other people in my family uh, before those boys moved in and God had to take me to a place. And to get there, I had to have a lot of edges sanded off. And those boys were the biggest piece of sandpaper on the planet. And those boys made me who I am. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And you know, on your knees sobbing before God. And it has not been easy. I mean, don't let me, you know, sugarcoat anything. It has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it is the most rewarding thing. Our son graduated last year with a degree in psychology. Our other son got married in our backyard last December. You know, I mean, it is just those two boys make me so proud every day. And my other kids do. Don't, don't, you know, and the fifth kid ended up coming. We, Todd, who doesn't really do a lot of house stuff, said, I think we should get an exchange student when our son was a senior, our youngest was a senior. And I'm like, whatever. And so he fills out all the paperwork and he goes, I'm going to pick up our son or, you know, our exchange student. I'm like, who, what, what are you talking about? And he picks him up and this kid adopted us. And so he graduated from Michigan State. His name is Humphrey, and he's living with us going to uh, graduate school. And we adore him. And he, he is as part of much as a, of our family as the other four. But he's and the he, baby. And he was an exchange student from what China. Else? From China. From China. Okay. So Lots of good Humphrey stories. So there's the beginning of our adversity. Now we're going to get into some things after the break. So it, it's going to get it's going to get messy. Uh, so stick around, but let me just say this, Holly, if people want you this amazing thing, you have like zillion people who they even pay to see your pictures. I mean, how, how do you get onto that gig? I ended up starting a Facebook group right before the pandemic of the photographs uh, that I've taken. And so I just started uploading them and it's free for anybody that wants them. You just join the group. Anybody can join. And uh, I let them use them as references you know, or to look at them. I do have a lot of people that are not artists. They just like looking at my pictures. Um, and then I ended up uh, about two months ago, starting a Patreon channel, which has a lot more pictures for people who want, you know, kind of higher quality 
for artists, but it's uh, my Facebook group is it's and there's a ton of Facebook group like this. Don't think I'm, you know, I'm profound in doing this, but it's just it's uh, free reference photos for artists by Holly and you join. That is you join. not a catchy title. It's not. Uh, but it's you not. can you can also look you up at Holly Cannon Art. Yep. Right. Yeah. But the free reference photos, there's a ton of those, but it's by Holly. Yeah, because there are a lot of other people on Facebook that do the same thing. Let me just say this, too. If you're watching this um, on YouTube, but not many people do, but kind of the behind the scenes, they actually do get to see us here. Um, This is a a radio show that then has turned into a podcast. But however, would you please subscribe and say something nice? You can even (laughs) you can even lie. That'll be one of the free sins you get in life and say it was good. And Holly knows that you get three free sins, but we're not going to talk about that. But I would want to say a word about Standing Stone Ministry, uh, which is where um, uh, I partner with this wonderful group of people. And and what we do is we work with clergy and leaders um, in ministry who may be struggling and need a safe place. Uh, people who've been there and done that, and I'm I'm old enough, I've been there and done that. And just love my work with, with leaders in the church, um, able to encourage them. And this is a hard time. If there's a chance you'd consider supporting us. Uh, just go to churchhurtsand.org, and there's a subscribe button. Uh, if you've been thinking about doing that for a while and putting it off, if you do it today, there really is a need now. And um, so we thank you for that kind of ahead of time and promise to be faithful with anything that you give. Um, having said that, Holly, um, you you know ministry, um, and you you've been in it from a lot of ways, uh, but you're serious about your faith, aren't you? I mean, how how does your Christian faith affect your art? You know, it is. I was showing Todd a picture last night. You know, every picture I take is just almost an expression of my uh, enjoyment of what God's given us. I mean. We all take for granted, you know, a gorgeous sunset. Oh, isn't that pretty? And you get your phone out and you snap a picture of it. And it's like God created that for you to enjoy. There's no other reason for him to create it other than for you to enjoy it. And I hope that my pictures kind of, and my art too, try and capture some of that beauty for you to enjoy through him. You know, I just heard recently, for, I don't know why I've never heard this before, um, but it was Tim Keller who was talking about going through really hard stuff in life and and actually struggling with disease and, you know, looking at the possibility of death that allowed him and his wife to realize if they would quit trying to make heaven or turn the earth into heaven, he could start enjoying the earth more. And I thought, that is so good because we get so messed up. Church hurts and it church hurts because we expect it to be like heaven and it's not. But I tell you what, this earth was given as a gift to us, wasn't it? Yep, it was. It's not Every perfect. part of it. It's not perfect. This is not my home. Let's talk about it not being perfect. During the pandemic, you, you mentioned you got to go out there. And one of the pictures that I saw during the pandemic was not taken by you, but it was a picture of your mom and your dad. And I can hardly mention it without tearing up because tell us what, what happened to your mom a few years ago and what that's been like. 
My mom uh, taught Bible study fellowship for 12 years when I was growing up. And so, you know, Bible study was always a part of our life. And she was a firecracker. You know, you are my youth director. You know, that's how we know each other and uh, have been family friends our whole life. And my mom, you know, was five foot four and would take you out, you know, if you needed it. And about she's a medical miracle, but believe it or not, about eight years ago, she uh, started uh, having Alzheimer's symptoms. And in the last uh, year and a half, we had to put her into a full-time memory care just because she couldn't, my dad uh, couldn't take care of her anymore. And it has been, we had dinner with her last night, you know, and it's like, that's not my mom. And it is just the most painful thing to see this fragile woman from where she was, you know, of just a firecracker and, you know, a brilliant Bible study teacher and, you know, not being able to hold her fork. And it's a cruel disease, you know, but we've loved on her. And, you know, my dad goes over and takes care of her every day, you know, and enjoys every minute and he knows it's a gift. So it's one of those things, you know, you don't wish your parent to die, you know, what a horrible thing, but when she does, when God takes her home, it'll be a glorious day because she'll be restored. You know, seeing your father standing outside because, you know, he couldn't go in because of coronavirus. Oh, it's awful. But going over there just through the window and seeing, you know, her smile, not even knowing she doesn't really know what's going on. What a beautiful thing because all even her faith even till the last time when she was talking and knew who I was so filled with faith and, and knew the Bible better than most pastors that I work with. I can promise you that. Yep. Um, but I, I just um, really care for you guys as so proud of you, the way you're taking care of her, even now when she's in, I know how often those visits are, yep. but something else happened that um, during this last year that, had to just be crazy, crazy painful. You mentioned I was your youth director when you were in junior high and you had a brother who was a couple of years older in high school. And the two of you guys reminded me a lot of my kids because I, I, my boy and girl, man, they were just at each other all the time. And, but you know, underneath it, I mean, you, now there's no doubt. I mean, those are brother and sister that just love one another. But something happened to your brother. Tell us about that. Yeah, my brother, you know, uh, finally got his dream job. Like you said, we were cats and dogs. And then when we went to college, we ended up being great friends. And, you know, we're friends, you know, have been friends, obviously, the last however long, 40 years, you know, once you get out of high school. But uh, he finally ended up getting his dream job he of uh, being a flight attendant and ended up being laid off at the beginning, you know, in the pandemic, and it was just too much for him to handle. And uh, he had some other mental conditions, you know, that he struggled with his whole life that we all kind of knew about. And in September, he ended up taking his life. And, you know, I got a phone call at seven in the morning, you know, that you replay over and over and over in your head. And it, you know, I didn't think about my brother every day, you know, before. I mean, he was kind of my computer guy and funny story guy and, you know, who was on your plane kind of person, he'd call me and we'd text each other. And, and I think about him every day, you know, and it's kind of like my mom where, uh, 
you know, it was tragic mercy. A friend of mine called it tragic mercy. And he is, you know, out of pain and out of suffering. But it was, you know, you, you don't see what it's like on the other side until it happens and what it does to the people you leave behind that you will never be the same, you know, after that day. And that day will forever be, you know, burned into my heart. You know, and I love my brother. And he told his counselor, you know, even though we didn't talk a lot, uh, that I was his person. And it was that meant more for her to say those words meant more to me than she will ever know. You know, and I loved my brother. We did. We disagreed a lot on a lot of things, you know, but uh, I love and he knew I loved my brother. Well, I think when we were talking about it, um, and, and I, sh- I should say, you know, that phone call, when you mentioned that phone call, there's, there's people who live in life just living in fear of that phone call. Yeah. And for me, that phone call came and it, it was my son had been injured and ended up, he was paralyzed. And the only thing that got me through that time was talking to people like you people who had lost somebody they loved. And I said, my, you know, my son, that was horrible. He was paralyzed, but I still had my son. Yeah. In this case, suicide, the finality and um, the pain. And yet you you know, you guys, you were worried about his counselor. I mean, that's kind of who your family is, right? Tell me about that. You know, yeah, she called, um, he had left a note, let, he had emailed her and left her a long note, and in it had said, please call my sister um, and let her know. But um, he, my brother's boyfriend ended up calling me um, and letting me know. But we talked to her a lot afterwards. And I was as concerned for her, I would say, as anything, because you go into that profession wanting to help people. And he had seen her, you know, for years. And... Um, you know, she, the guilt she had to feel was overwhelming and she is not a Christian, you know, to, I mean, I fell back on my faith more than I ever have, obviously. And it was, I'm like, how do you live life without faith? How do you make sense of this? Because this doesn't make sense. And the pain, it was overwhelming. And I was in Washington. I wasn't even home. So, you know, it was one of those things I had to grieve kind of by myself, which is awful. And I was worried about my dad, you know, and praise God, my mom, you know, will never know, you know, no mother should have to get that phone call, you know, because even as a sister, it, you know, your heart is never the same, the scar that it leaves on your heart, but for a mother, oh my word. And just thankfully, you know, praise God for Alzheimer's. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I think sometimes people want the church and want their faith to provide easy answers. And it doesn't, but man, there's, there's a comfort there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It was something, it was, uh, I ended up writing to them, but Phillips Craig and Dean are like my favorite Christian group. And, uh, they, I probably have 3000 songs on my, you know, phone. And that week I just went, you know what, we're listening to shuffle. And they sing a song, and I don't even know that they released it, but it's called Voices from the Other Side. And I heard that song, I'm probably going to cry, six times that week. And you go, 
how in the world is the same song played when you have 3000 to choose from? And it was like, Owen goes, I'm here. It's great. It's awesome. I am so happy. I'm so whole and I'm so loved. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think it's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that at the end, even Owen's like, you know, call my sister (laughs) as much as you guys fought, um, the love that he knew that you had. And, and, you know, I loved Owen, Owen lived a challenging life and, and kind of fought the whole time. I'll tell you what, take us back because you kept going with your art and you kept going with your photos. Tell me, tell me another animal story. And then we got to go. You know, probably I was, uh, one of the most fun, you know, things obviously was that trip to Montana, but, uh, I spend the summers or a couple months of the summer out. My daughter is a naturalist talking about living a dream job since she was four years old. She wanted to be around killer whales. So she is, uh, a naturalist on a whale watching boat goes and watches whales every day. And so I get to go spend summers with her and go whale watching once a week, which doesn't, you know, it, you can't even comprehend how awesome it is. So one of those couple of years ago where she lives, there's four whales, four species of whales that live in her area. And you have a three hour time span, uh, you know, to see what you can see. And usually you see one, you know, hopefully you see one whale. Sometimes you see two species of whales and in the whale watching business, they have uh, a saying called a grand slam, where if you see all four species of whales, you have, experienced something uh her coworker has been there for 15 years and probably been on 5000 whale watching and i think she has like five see she has five grand slams in those 15 years and so a couple at the, one of the last um tours that i went out on in 2019 it was my second grand slam of the season and there is a, uh, a killer whale that was born about three or four years ago that's white. And there's only one. And he's kind of a unicorn because you can't believe that he exists. And there's one on the planet. And I had a white whale grand slam. And it was to take pictures of it that all came out clear and not blurry <laughs> when you're on a moving boat. And I have that as my screensaver. And it's, on, it's my phone case because it was you were vibrating everybody on the boat was vibrating in three hours all you got three hours so it was pretty cool that is so fun i i am you know i'm just so proud of you and so appreciate you uh let me just say a few words holly before we go um i've heard it said that you should never trust a skinny cook i met a gym owner the other day who had a pot belly it made me wonder, what would the saying be for church-going Christians? Could it be something like, never trust a Christian who keeps their Bible in the church? When I called for Holly the other day to talk about this show, she told me her time was limited because she was working on her Bible study fellowship materials. I had to laugh because I'd often pop in on her parents 40 years ago before lunch knowing there would be fresh, sweet tea, an extra sandwich, and Holly's mom freshening up her makeup before Dr. Youngblood would burst through the door for his limited lunch hour. I'd always be graciously welcomed, but time would be limited because Dr. Youngblood had to get back to the dental office, and Mrs. Youngblood would be cramming for the next BSF class she was teaching. I had 
to watch Holly for a distance over the decades, thankful for Facebook and updates through her parents. But I've watched the life of someone who learned early that life wasn't perfect. Church life wasn't perfect. Christian parents made mistakes. Christian friends could disappoint. But she continued to make decisions she felt would honor God, however flawed her own life might be at the time. For years, she painted with Band-Aids, sideline refreshments, laundry, and a lot of love. Today, I celebrate a woman with a long-term marriage many envy. Today, I celebrate a family whose diversity and humor reflect the character of an energetic, loving mom, even if they are two new hips. Today, we've heard from an artist who gets to do her work, trying in some small way to capture the art of another, a loving God whose canvas is the universe and who paints with rainbows, fur, feathers, skin, and blood. It's worth a thought. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash. Go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is the shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchfirstand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, church hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end and enjoy God today, won't you?